Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, after moving to Japan, a man and his younger sister try to adjust to the new culture. But there's one thing neither of them are prepared to accept. A nanny returns from her vacation only to have her family exclaim that she never left. Ever look around a crowd and wonder if anyone is really a ghost? We've talked about that a few times. We have. One couple's visit to Disneyland left them certain that not everyone they saw was really there. And we hear one last story about a benevolent shadow man, Hal, and his last and perhaps greatest deed of all. Was it the greatest love of all? And this is where I break into Whitney Houston songs. Please don't. The greatest No. The but I think it'll spark a good conversation after that one. Okay, I'm excited about that. I was watching uh, Whitney Houston documentaries earlier today on YouTube. Yeah? Because I, I actually I DVR'd the Lifetime special the other day, and I've yet to actually watch it. Um, yes, I DVR'd something on Lifetime. I was going to say, do you lose your man card for the day on that one? <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, Lifetime really is the channel where pretty much all men go to die. But uh, the interesting thing about uh, that movie, from what I read on the reviews, is uh, that it was really put together from the Bobby Brown perspective of things. Oh. So it really paints him in a really good light, mm-hmm. which honestly... The more that you you look at that relationship, and I know this has nothing to do with ghosts, but the more that you look at that relationship, and if you ever watched his uh, Bravo show that he used to have on like eight years ago, Being Bobby Brown, no, he was the sane one in the relationship. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. And a lot of folks around that relationship do say that she was well into drugs well before him, and he was actually the tamer of the two. Oh. So, I don't know. I, anyhow, I, it's one of those, you know, I, I'm not really into... Uh, celebrities or anything but that one always kind of fascinated me that whole and when a celebrity dies is when I start to get more, get more interested in the lore around them <laughs> once they kick it it's like ooh interesting you know I don't know okay I don't know why it's so I guess it does kind of tie into ghosts a little bit it, it's when they're dead is when I suddenly have an interest in them yeah so there you go the ghost of Whitney Houston that'll be one of our future episodes <laughs> Okay, sounds good. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can always write into the show at realghoststoriesonline.com. Alex uh, writes into us with our first letter of the evening, and uh, Alex kicks off his letter saying, Hey guys, I'm a huge fan of the show. My ghost story is ongoing. I live in Tokyo, Japan with my younger sister. It was about five years ago when we moved out here. Moved out here for work. I'm a uh, ma- manga artist. Manja? M-A-N-G-A? How do you pronounce that? M-A-N-G-A? Manga, I Manga? Think. Okay. I don't know what that is. I, I, I Before we continue on, because I'm going to be very curious, I'm just going to do a little Googling and see what uh, what that comes up with. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, comic artist or cartoonist. There you go. So Japanese cartoon artist for comic books. Okay. That's really cool. That's interesting. I wonder if that's like in the family of like anime or anything like that. I don't know. I'm not into anime, but there you it's go. It's probably not. You probably just really offended him. I really don't mean to whatsoever, but I know that's like part of that. So I don't know. I don't know if that Let is. Let it go. But, okay. Anyhow, there you go. Now we know what it is. Okay. 
I've worked for many different manga companies here in Japan, and I'm sorry if it's manga or manga, I really don't know. Anyhow, my parents thought it would be good for my sister to have an education in a different country. My first day of work here is when I actually experienced uh, anything supernatural. I was leaving my apartment building and began walking towards the train station. And once I arrived at the station, I boarded the train, and luckily, I was able to grab a window seat on the train. As I was looking out the window, I saw a woman out of the corner of my eye standing on the edge of the train tracks. She stood out because she was wearing a white dress, the type of dress a girl would wear to prom. I raised the alarm to the gentleman sitting next to me in fear for this girl's safety. He said he did not see anything. I got off at the next station, and I ran alongside the train tracks, trying to see if I could see this woman and offer her assistance. I could not see any trace of her and I shrugged this off as an adjustment to my new surroundings. So I made my way to work, and for the next several weeks on my journeys to work, I saw this woman standing in the exact same spot every day. One night, my sister Ashley came to me and said she had been seeing something weird while riding her bike to school. She said that she'd been seeing a woman in a white prom dress, looking, uh, prom-looking dress, along the bike path, just standing there for the past several weeks. I told her about my experience. She thought I was making fun of her, until I described her to the best way I could from the blurry images I would see of her. Needless to say, we were both very freaked out, and we decided to go to church and just get blessed by the priest. That same night, I was in a deep sleep, and I was awoken by hearing my sister scream, I woke up, ran into the hallway, only to come face to face with what was causing her fear. That woman that we'd been seeing for weeks was standing right in front of the entrance to the apartment. I yelled over to my sister to get her in her room and lock the door and call the police. The big brother instinct kicked in, where you want to protect your younger siblings. I proceeded to yell, Who the fuck are you? Get the fuck out! After I yelled this, every door in the apartment slammed shut. I was still hearing my sister scream, so I ran to her door, banging on it, and I was telling her to let me in. I locked the door behind myself. We then heard a really loud humming sound. went on for about five minutes, and eventually the police came. We reported the crime, and the police found no evidence of forced entry. Since that day, we've moved out and are now living in a different apartment. I think she could sense that you both could see her. I don't know why she started targeting you two at separate times, but that is scary. I don't think that was a good entity. I have a feeling that was something negative there. Or was it the victim of a crime that was trying to get noticed and she targeted both of them because she knew that just targeting one alone would just lead to them writing it off as, ah, you know, it's this or that or I'm crazy. But when they both could compare stories, it more so solidified, okay, there's something paranormal going on here. Right, but what scares me is when he was yelling at her, Mm -hmm. all the doors slammed at once. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just... Yeah, that's usually more power than the human ghosts have. That's what I was thinking. That's a good point. I may be wrong. No, that's a good point. So... That really... I didn't didn't think of that. You gotta look at all the little details. And it's easier. You're good at that. I've already read it once and then hear it again, so I I pick up on that more than trying to read through it yeah it's like you get to it's like when you're hearing these stories it's like when you watch a uh, a show twice yeah and you go oh i didn't catch that the first time yeah it's like watching sixth sense the second time or when i watch frasier for the 800th time of the same episode like oh i think i've picked up on everything in this episode now every single nuance every single joke Mm-hmm. And I can easily fall asleep to it. <laughs> that's how I am with that show. But uh, no, I know I, it's kind of how it is, and that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think it, it may be something just trying to lure them in. I think so. Okay. Yeah, you got a point there. I agree. Okay. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. If you like the show, hey, here's a thought. Uh, we'd really appreciate this. Uh, if you uh, are use us through iTunes, you're listening to us through iTunes, just hop on there real quick and give us a nice little review. 
if you would. That helps us grow quite a bit. Uh, just a couple words, just something, you know, nice, kindly. How much you enjoy the show would be wonderful. Uh, and some stars, that helps us, whether it's uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, all sorts of platforms have those little review options. So giving us a nice little review helps us grow the show. It uh, tells other folks, hey, that's a show that maybe I should listen to, too. And then we get more ghost stories, get a better show, and it's fun for all. So please share the love that way. Uh, James writes in, Dear Sir, Ma'am. Which is which? Who are we? Are you the... I think you're the sir. Is that? Okay. I don't like being called ma'am. That makes me feel old. I've never been called sir. Really? Yes. Other than like, you know, like a real... Yes, sir. Like real sarcastic, but never like... Oh. In a sincere way. (laughs) It's gone from at the store if somebody's asking to get your attention from going to miss... To ma'am. That's not a good sign. That means you've crossed some threshold to where teenagers working at Target now think you're old. It's because you are. That's the thing. And if you if you hang out or if you see the teenagers, hell, even like early 20-somethings now, it's just like I look at them and I go, God, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. I know. You know, so I'm I'm totally cool with it. I mean, and we're not old, old. We're just not in that state anymore. Yeah, I know. So I'm, I'm happy about it. But the thing is, I like the state we're in. I don't want to go any further. I'm like, I'm good right <laughs> here. I'm happy in, in the 30s, and I, I'm cool just kind of hanging out. <laughs> I think this, this is where I'm going to perpetually stay. I'm going to be like Casey Kasem, and I'm never going to age beyond this. Well, the hair's already gone, so yeah. I have nothing to lose there. If I point. can just keep wrinkles away, for the most part, I can pretty much stay looking this way till I'm probably about 60 or 70. Well, you know how strong the genetics are in my family. Yeah. We had a five generations picture of women in my family, and you can tell that we were all related because we all look exactly alike. Yeah, you do. So I'm not a I'm not afraid of growing old because I know what the future version of me looks mm-hmm. like at each stage. It's kind of like they clone themselves or like they, they don't really need another person to procreate. They just kind of press a button and suddenly another version of them comes out. <laughs> the latest version. It's like the Apple Isn't update. Isn't there like an animal that does that that can like procreate with itself? There's I, something in nature that does that. I don't know. Let's read the story. <laughs> Moving on, my ghost story goes back as far as the mid-80s. I was about 14 years old. We lived in a medium-sized home in uh, Duro... Uh, I'm horrible with... Uh, this is a Middle Eastern one. You ready for this one? Dahrain? I'm going to say Dahrain in the eastern pro- province of Saudi Arabia. I think it's Duran. Duran in the eastern province of Saudi Arabia. Okay. My late father was a very hard-working person. He never stayed home. My mother traveled a lot, too. We had a Filipina named Sonia, and she had been with us for years, and she was a part of our family. Sonia was a very nice person, kind, calm, and very patient. She was responsible for every aspect of our lives. We could never imagine our lives without her. In the summer, school was out, and Sonia used to take a two-weeks vacation to visit her family in the Philippines. Dad was never home, and Mom was never in the country. It was only me and my older sister and my kid brother. We used to stay up late all night watching TV. We'd wait till it's dawn and then crash to bed. One night, Dad came home early and went to bed before midnight. My kid brother was sound asleep, and it was me, my sister, up watching TV. It was almost dawn when I had my first experience with a paranormal apparition. I needed to go to the bathroom was at the end of a long, dark, and creepy corridor. Halfway through the corridor, it had a wide doorway to the guest room. It was a double door with no doors attached to it. When walking through, I passed the doorway, and I immediately froze. The guest room was dimly lit from the outside lights. I noticed something that made my heart beat so fast. There was a figure in that room. I walked two steps backwards and kept my body oriented forward. But looked to my right to make sure it was there. And it was. It was difficult to breathe. The fear was overwhelming. I can see a figure wearing a white female hijab, which is a headscarf. I could make out a female face. To my shock, it was Sonia, and she was smiling at me. I couldn't even scream. My tongue was tied. 
She was in typical Saudi, female, white, abeya, full body clothing, but she had no feet. She was floating about a foot high across the room. I ran to my dad and woke him. He started cursing at me and telling me to go to sleep and to stop watching TV. My sister heard me talking to dad and rushed to his bedroom. Having crossed a corridor like I did earlier, it was inevitable that she saw her too. She started screaming and ran towards us. Dad got up and got really angry. We were so scared. He walked to the guest room and to our relief there was nothing. Dad got even angrier and took it out on us. We never slept that day. We dragged our mattress and stayed at my dad's bedroom for the next few days. After that, we flew home for our summer vacation. My sister and I were over the edge, uh, were over the experience, always scared and never leaving our room at night. At the end of summer vacation, we flew back to Saudi. Dad was there at the airport to pick us up. He sure had a lot to say. We were still in the parking lot, and Dad turned to me in the back seat and looked sad, and he said, and I quote his words, I'm sorry I made fun of your fears, son. I saw her, too. He said a few days after we'd left, it was dark, quiet, and calm. He was in bed and getting ready to sleep. Looking around his bedroom, there she was, floating a foot high at his doorway. He froze, staring at her as she smiled. It took him a few minutes to be able to get up, open the window, and jump out to the backyard. He ran to his car and spent the next few nights at his brother's place. A few days later, we went to the airport to pick Sonia up. She was, she was so excited to see us, and we were even more excited to tell her about the ghostly appearance. As we were telling her the course of events that took place, she became terrified as hell. To our shock, she revealed an experience she'd had all summer long. She had a recurrent dream. Every night she dreamt she was walking in our house, every night from room to room. Sonia stayed with us for another few years, but nothing like this ever happened again. It was an experience I'll never, ever forget. Even my late dad used to mention her in his deathbed, despite being in his late stages of Alzheimer's disease. Till this day, I always dread dawn. I can't leave bed when it's dawn. Tell my kids about it, and my sister tells her kids about it. Thank you for giving me the chance to share my story with you. I'm a big fan of your website. I'm looking forward to listening to more stories. Yours truly, James. So, doppelganger? I don't know. I don't think that's a doppelganger. No, because it seemed more ghostly. I was just sure that the story was going to go on and they were going to come back from their vacation and he, the dad was going to have to say that the nanny had passed away. I'm going to go more with astral projection of some sort. If she was uh, dreaming that she was wandering the halls and the entity that they were seeing didn't do anything bad. It was just there. Right. Kind of doing the same sort of stuff she would have been doing. And it sounds like the same stuff she was doing in her dream. Um, I'm thinking somehow she was projecting herself there without, you know, trying to do it. But was, in fact, doing that. How many ghosts, I wonder, are astral projections? I don't know. And I wonder if when she was dreaming about wandering around the house, if she was seeing them in her dream, the kids. Mm -hmm. Or if, to her, it was just an empty house she was wandering. Just the, essentially, the outline of the property? Mm Mm-hmm. No. I don't know. That's another interesting thought and another layer to the ghosts that we talk about and another question that uh, just makes it even more confusing. Very much so. Thank you for uh, for writing that in. That was a good story. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. And if you haven't already done so, please press that subscribe button on whatever platform it is you listen to us on. That helps us grow and you get all the episodes sent directly to you. Daniel writes in, hey, it's Daniel from California. I wrote to you guys a while back about my experiences in Las Vegas. I got a kick out of hearing it on the podcast. Just had to run and tell my friends about it. When I told my fiance that her story was read, she immediately said, you should have told them about what happened to you at Disneyland. This should be good. (laughs) 
I mean, I, I love ghost stories that involve like uh, famous attractions and things of that nature. It gets better. I think that's why I enjoy listening to or watching uh, the adventures of Adam the Woo on YouTube. Yeah. Because he goes to all those crazy places. I got somebody the other day on our YouTube or something said that Adam had turned him on to our show, too. So I don't know if Adam still listens or not, but shout out to Adam the Woo. <laughs> if you like, uh, like creepy ass stuff. Uh, he has a lot of it in a great YouTube channel. Anyway, continuing on. He was on a, an episode of ours a while back. Uh, I asked which story due to us having more than uh, one experience there. So here's the story she wanted shared. About two years ago, my fiance, then girlfriend, and I were at Disneyland in the summer months. After a few hours of rides and too many sweets, we decided to call it a day. Heading back to the parking lot, it was about 9 p.m., we were walking to my truck and talking. My fiance was about three feet in front of me and to my left when she turns back and looks at me, then smacks me on my arm. I immediately said, what the hell? Why are you hitting me? She then turned back and said, you just pinched my arm, that's why. I told her to look at where I was walking. I was three feet from her and could not even reach her. She then said... Well, then why was that kid next to you laughing when I turned around? I turned around to the parking lot to look for this kid, she says, was there, and the parking lot was sparse with vehicles, and there was no one else around but us. Then I told her, look around. What kid are you talking about? There's no one on this parking level but you and me, and why would this kid be walking with me and not his parents? Where are this kid's parents? She stopped and looked around, and then I could visually see goosebumps appear on her arms. My girlfriend then said, Oh my God, I just saw a ghost. I grabbed her by her arm and said, Well, how does it feel to have your first experience? Welcome to the club. After this happened, I told one of my friends about it that used to work for Disneyland. He stated that the park and company in general gets a lot of requests from families asking to spread their children's ashes in the park, but they cannot agree to it. They regularly catch people dumping ashes throughout the park, of course, without permission. From what I'm told, Pirates of the Caribbean is the most common place this occurs. Why a ghost child was in the parking lot pinching my girlfriend's arm and laughing, I have no idea. Hope all is well with you, too. I'm loving the show and going to become an EPP very soon. Thank you in advance. Next time I ride in, I have a bit more of a sinister story than this. I'll make your hair stand on end. Okay, so that just ruined Pirates of the Caribbean ride for <laughs> no, me. No, it made me want to go to it even more, actually. Really? <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I'm wondering if in the parking lot, if it was one of those deals, um, you know, he said, well, he doesn't understand why it would be in the parking lot where someone would spread ashes there. I wonder if it's one of those things where the kid wanted, you know, to be spread in the at Disneyland and they tried to go in there and spread it, but they, you know, had security eyeing them up the whole time, never got it done. And they still had the ashes and they got to the parking lot. They're like, yeah, shit, enough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> put him behind that VW van over there and, uh, Call it good. I could see that. Spread little Jimmy over there. Because if, if his ashes are in the parking lot and he's haunting the parking lot, he could easily just wander on into the park. <laughs> he's stuck in a parking garage for eternity. It's really sad. Poor little Jimmy. Oh. Uh, I I just can't even imagine the, the parents that want to go and spread their child's ashes at a theme park. That's just like the saddest thing I've heard in a long time. About going and having to do that? Well, about... I mean, just think about that. Having a dead child is pretty damn sad. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And then having their ashes and trying to spread them at a theme park. And, and you can't do it. They don't want to let you do it. I mean, it's a happy place, you know? Yeah, and the thought of, well, this way they can just be a ghost and ride the rides forever. It's just sad. There should be a designated place at places like Disneyland Could you imagine or how Disney big World. The pile of ashes would be. Yeah, I mean, but do it. You could probably find a way to do that where it, you know, doesn't really affect. It doesn't turn into a pile. Maybe it's like a, a giant lagoon or something. I don't know. I mean, something you you could find a peaceful way of doing it, and it's kind of like a remembrance. I don't know. It kind of take away from the land of happiness, but um, <laughs> it could be their newest addition instead of a a new water th theme park or an animal theme park. It's a 
uh, Dead People Park, and it's oh, it's essentially a morgue of uh, ashes. I don't think. <laughs> you want to go to Animal Land? You have different themed areas of it too. I don't think that Disney <laughs> wants to get into the 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 just business of of housing ashes. I would pick if I, and I don't want to be spread there. I don't want to be uh, burned either. I want to just be buried so uh-huh. I can come back as a good old zombie. Um, and, and that is my intent. Um, I, I, <laughs> you don't, don't roll your eyes. Okay. <laughs> um, if I had to pick a place, though, in Disney World, I'd pick the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. That'd be great. I wonder if there's, you would think that that would be a more popular place than the Pirates of the Caribbean. I think maybe the Haunted Mansion creeps kids out too much. Okay. And Pirates is more of a... Jimmy loved this ride, so... Yeah. Okay. Versus the dancing people in the ballroom (laughs) scared Jimmy. Versus the one about death. Yeah. Okay. I'd pick Haunted Mansion. I'd have a good time there. Okay. That'd be great. Because you could, like, totally blend in. No one would even know that you were, like, not part of the attraction. (laughs) Yeah be really fun. 855-853-4802 is our number. Andrew writes in, hey, Tony, the story I'm telling today is an ongoing one. We, my roommate, my girlfriend, and I have not confirmed any of this, and I'm mainly seeking advice with how to approach this. I wrote you before about my childhood encounters in Norwood, Ohio. Today, they're occurring in Fairfield, Ohio. I am sensitive, as is my roommate and girlfriend, moved into this house a couple months ago and have noticed some weird things. I usually just try to put them out of my mind, but then my roommate approached me one night about these orbs a friend of ours had noticed in her pictures that are seemingly dancing around the children from New Year's Eve. I personally do not believe in the photos he showed me, but after telling me about them, we discussed the parts of our house we both would get weird vibes in. Turns out he, my girlfriend, and I have weird vibes in the same parts of the house. The first and strongest place is the hallway and bathroom at the bottom of the first set of stairs. Gives off a feeling that there's a strong presence there, and we all agree that it feels too uh, to be a young female. One day, when my roommate and his son were playing a battleship, uh, and his son got up to use that bathroom, he came running back and dove back into the room. Says he saw a black figure. Then it went away again. A few weeks ago, my roommate was playing a computer game with his back to that hallway. But an hour in, he felt that there was someone watching him, and it compelled him to take his headphones off and look around. While he didn't see anything, he still felt the presence. I'd ignored everything and thought everything had quieted down until today. I was woken up early this morning. I didn't look at the clock, but it was past one or two in the morning. I swore my girlfriend woke me up when she had a nightmare. I quieted her down and got up to use the bathroom. When I entered the hallway, I saw a black figure quickly move out of sight of the kitchen, which is visible from the hallway. Chalked it up to seeing things, although I did note how eerily similar it was to my roommate's son. Went back to bed and everything else was normal. That is until my roommate was Skyping with me while here at work. He told me how he had been woken from a woman's voice, panicked, calling out his name. He examined the time and noted it was 3.13 a.m., around the time I believe my girlfriend had her nightmare. So I texted her and asked her about what time her nightmare woke her up. She told me she had no idea what I was talking about, so I reminded her of the situation and she had no recollection of it. I'm questioning whether she had a nightmare or if my roommate and I heard the same thing and when I went to use the bathroom, did I see what woke us? I want to investigate to see what this is, but I'm skeptical for fear of inviting something evil. We were thinking of attempting an EVP session and recording it with a night vision camera. As for background on the house, it was built in the 80s and as far as we can tell, there have been no deaths. Are there creepy places around the house are the very bottom basement and the kitchen. My roommate says his bedroom gives him a strange vibe as well, although I can't vouch for this as I never go in there. Any advice would be appreciated, and I'll keep sending you updates. Thank you for reading my story and any advice. 
I think maybe just try and see if asking it to stop helps and go from there. That's my advice. I'm the one who gives that advice. I don't have anything else. You just to, wanted to beat me to it. I don't have anything else helpful to say. Yeah. I really don't. Um, I, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say I think that there's definitely something going on. They all three can feel it because they're sensitive, but I, I don't know how else to help them. That's usually step one. What you suggested they do, and I would I would also agree with that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily jump on the let's catch an EVP bandwagon or this or that because I, if you got something going on, you got something going on. Do you really need more proof? You got something going on. Yeah, that's my question. Is that are you are you pretty sure you got something there, or are you think do you think it was the cat? You know, and I, I don't think you think it was the cat. I think you think you got something going on. So an EVP session is going to do nothing but stir things up. I wouldn't go down that road. Um, take Jenny's advice. Do that first. Uh, see what happens. And if it still continues on, uh, I don't know, interacting with these things. Very rarely does it turn out that they're going to end up just, you know, hanging out and bringing you cookies and cakes. They're usually... It kind of gets worse. Thoughts? No, I I think beyond the asking for it to stop, any other interaction's probably useless. Yeah. But I agree. I don't think EVPs are helpful. Um, when you already know. And being sensitive, you know. All three yeah. of you know. It's one thing to go and try and capture EVPs in an abandoned asylum or something where you're not living on a daily basis. Uh, if you're trying to do this at a place where you are living on a daily basis, that is very likely just going to cause more issue. So, sorry. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to you know put a kink in the EVP ghost hunting plans, but... I don't know if that's your best uh, route of attack. Anyone has any other uh, suggestions for them? Feel free to start a thread up on our message board on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Sophia writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I'm writing with a story that did not happen to me, but to uh, a very trustworthy people in my life. Uh, it was an interesting case of a dual experience, if you will. This happened not too long after my uncle Antonio passed away. He died a painful death, and my family was heartbroken over how much he suffered in his final days. This happened to my grandmother and my aunt by marriage, so she was my grandmother's daughter-in-law. In my grandmother's home, my grandmother's house was a sort of family hub, and members of my family came and went throughout the day to say hello, get some rest, eat, etc. This house is in my hometown in Mexico, where I spent most childhood summers. The name of the city is Guadalajara. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> oh, they gave me... Well, they gave... I, I actually knew this one. Guadalajara. Okay. I, I could have actually said that without the uh, phonetical. Okay. It's one of the few, like, somewhat complicated looking ones that you know. I don't know why I know that, but I, I know that name. Because just about every Mexican restaurant around here has a platter called the Guadalajara. Is that why? I don't know what's all on it. <laughs> I and don't if think I've ever had that one. <laughs> if it's the same throughout all the Mexican restaurants, but my dad always ordered the Guadalajara, so that's how I Seriously? knew. How, yeah, that's the only reason I've ever heard that. What did he, You don't know what he got it under or anything? It's a combination of different it's things. Like you get a taco and a sancho and a something else or whatever. Several things. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> Maybe that's why I, I knew how to say that one. Yeah. Anyway, the one time I actually know how to say it, they give me a pronunciation guide. There you go. <laughs> and it's bursting with ghost stories. I was going to say, and it's bursting with flavor <laughs> <laughs> and legends with which I'll write back later. If you ever want to screw with a cashier at like a, a Target or a Walmart or something, when they're having a conversation with you and they're asking about a product you bought, uh huh, they're scanning it. Oh, these look like some nice, uh, no matter, insert product here, just respond. How are these? Because they inevitably ask that question. Just look up very calmly and go with a big smile on your face. 
They're bursting with country fresh flavor. And then just go back to whatever you're doing. <laughs> they don't know what to say. It's great. Anyhow, continuing on, I will begin with my aunt's account of the experience. She recounted this to my mother and me, careful to do so when my grandmother was not around to prevent pain and uh, consternation. My aunt named Betty was stepping into my grandmother's house after work because she was too tired for the long bus ride home that awaited her. My grandmother suggested that she go upstairs and lie down for a while, and Betty did so. She found the comfort she thought she sought in her brother-in-law, Antonio's bed, as you'll remember he had recently passed away. Antonio's bed was on the upstairs landing with a railing beside it looking down into the stairs. Therefore, you can hopefully picture in your mind it was not a bedroom, but instead an open sleeping area. I found it interesting that she chose this bed instead of one uh, in one of the actual bedrooms. Perhaps she felt some type of pull. But I digress. As she was in that hazy state of mind between consciousness and the dream world, she suddenly felt very aware of everything around her, as if she had woken up. Trying to get her bearings, she examined her surroundings and realized that she was slowly floating higher and higher above her body. When she was just below the ceiling, she looked down at herself and proceeded to go down the stairs beside the bed. She stopped when she was low enough to see the first floor, and she saw my grandmother sitting on a sofa in the living room. In her recounting of the experience, Betty struggled to explain how she felt when she saw my grandmother. She can only describe it as extreme joy. She attempted to get my grandmother's attention, and she succeeded as my grandmother looked up from her task and smiled at Betty. Feeling content, Betty returned to bed. She does not remember how or when she fell back asleep, nor not too long after Betty shared this with us. My grandmother told my mother and me that she'd had a strange dream not long ago. She said she was working on some type of sewing project when Betty paid a visit, feeling tired. My grandma suggested she, slept, uh, she sleep upstairs for a while before heading home and proceeded to work on her project. That's the point at which she thought she had fallen asleep. She recounted sitting on a sofa, facing the stairs, looking down at the task in her hands when she heard someone call her from the stairs. She described it as a child's voice calling, Mama. My grandma looked up and saw Antonio standing on a step, but he was a ten-year-old version of himself. He looked overjoyed to see her, seeing her son looking happy and healthy when he had suffered so much in his final days filled my grandma with a sense of peace and happiness. She says that he headed back upstairs, and she assumes she must have woken up not long after because she continued her sewing. I found this particularly interesting because the two individuals to whom this happened recounted the story separately and fervently for fear of worrying the other. Yet their stories fit together perfectly until a comforting story that I took to mean that Antonio found peace after his death when he visited his mother one last time. So, was Antonio using the energy from Betty to kind of manifest? I don't know. It's interesting where she said that, that she... Because I've heard of this before, where people, it is kind of astral projection there too, where it's coming kind of, or out of body experience. Uh huh. And in the same sort of setting, it's almost like he connected with her. Okay. Would you get that? I mean, that's kind of what you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's strange because it's like, even though all this happened in two separate dreams that Mm -hmm. matched up, in Betty's dream, she was still herself she was the one that was there but yeah in, in the grandmother's uh, account of it it was the the son yeah I don't know I think it's definitely more than just a dream story yeah I think the two are connected in some way mm-hmm I wonder if there is a connection there and there's energy feeding off I don't know Again, as we continue on with today's episode it just continues to dig us deeper into the hole of what is a ghost. Yeah. What are the rules of ghostdom or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, they, they seem to always be 
uh, getting more and more diverse. Nikki writes in, I wrote in a while back in October about my beloved resident shadow man, Hal. Wanted to write back in and give an update. Can you, do you remember Hal? Hal is our very first benevolent shadow man story. Okay. And um, they, Nikki and her boyfriend, I think were going through a hard time. They had just had a miscarriage, I believe. And okay. and he was just kind of, the, the shadow man was just kind of doing shadow man stuff. And they were trying to talk about what had just happened. And he like started doing something in the house and they asked him to leave them alone, that they were having a very trying time and um, give them some privacy. And he did. And he kind of had gotten to where he was kind of a protective entity around their little family there. Okay. So continuing on with this story, uh, thank you for the background because I'm horrible at remembering stories. (laughs) When you say that, it does bring back a lot of the memory of that story. But uh, it is with heavy heart that I must relay that my beloved Hal has since left. But it's given me an entirely new perspective on shadow people. Hal was blacker than black and impossible to see through. More often than not, he was a quick blur that you'd see before your eyes, but there were times where you'd just see this dark mass sitting idly in the doorway or the hall following our miscarriage that Hal was quite respectable about. My ex became increasingly mean. He was verbally abusive, threatening, and that we tried uh, physical violence, something or someone got in the way of that. Hal's presence started to become increasingly noticeable. I could never really shake the feeling of him being around me when I was home, and at times I would actually fight with him and ask him to give me five minutes of peace. Looking back, it is my belief that he was only looking out for my son and I. One day things got out of control. My ex started yelling at me about uh, what a dumb bitch I was. I wanted to... and. Uh, Wanted to, he wanted to hit me, but he didn't want my blood on his hands, etc. I began crying in an attempt to escape his screaming. I ran for the bathroom. My ex was in quick pursuit of me, and as I entered the bathroom and went to shut the door, I realized it had already slammed shut. Right as my ex was about to walk into the bathroom, the bathroom door shut in his face, dropping him to his knees. He began swearing more, yelling at me for shutting the door, and he was convinced I had just broken his nose. Amidst his yelling, I just stood there like a deer in the headlights. I didn't shut the door. When my hand reached for it, it wasn't there. It was already closed. Before I could wrap my head around the situation, my ex was up and trying to open the door. He began pounding on it, yelling at me to unlock it. The door wasn't locked. Afraid of what could happen later, I tried opening the door, and it wouldn't budge. I checked the lock. It looked, uh, at, I looked at the floor. Nothing there to keep it from opening. But there I was, locked in our bathroom. I shouted out to my ex that the door must be jammed because it wasn't locked, and he yelled back at me for lying. But I wasn't lying. The door was not locked. I could turn the handle just fine, but it would not open. After what seemed like hours, but realistically was only about five minutes, my ex grew frustrated. I heard the clinking of his car keys and then the inevitable slamming of the door. I remember thinking, great, I'm stuck in the bathroom. No phone, no way out. And now you're gone for God knows how long. I sat and held a staring contest with the door for another few minutes before I decided I was going to break out come hell or high water. I grabbed the handle of the door, dropped into a lunge, and with all my might, I turned the handle and pulled. Imagine my surprise when I flew back into the bathroom as the door swung right open. That day, I called the police, filed a restraining order, and now my ex was escorted off the property the next day. I saw Hal for about two weeks following that incident. The day of our restraining order hearing, I came home and shouted, Hal, I did it, I won. No more yelling. We can now live in peace now. But the atmosphere was different. No blurs, no black masses, no feeling of anyone watching. It wasn't until after Hal left that I realized just what a vital role he played in our lives. I had a rare brain condition that has resulted in two cysts on my brain. Had my ex gotten a hold of me that day and hit my head, I would have hemorrhaged and died. My brain didn't have room to swell, and my ex was the angriest I had ever seen him. I remembered thinking that the look in his eyes was dead and empty, and 
I was afraid. I'm not sure why Hal left so suddenly, but I have to believe he did his part. He protected me, saved me, and he stayed with us until he knew my ex would be gone forever. My shadow man had no glowing eyes. He never harmed us, but he did save my life. So, Hal, if you happen to be listening wherever you are, I thank you for that fateful day where you scared the hell out of me but ultimately saved my life. You'll always be a gentleman in my book. Okay. This story made me really wonder, what if shadow people don't always stay shadow people? Meaning that what if with his one last good deed that really saved her, Mm -hmm. he was able to then like that kind of like proved that he was good or whatever. It was his redemption and then he was able to move on into something else. Okay. Or move on to helping another person. Could maybe, be. maybe it was an angel type shadow person. Yeah, it just made me wonder if shadow people have to do something like that before they stop being shadow people. And this this is just that random thought that I had when I was reading mm-hmm. the story. I have no idea and I'm sure we'll disprove this theory a million different ways. I just go back to, I think shadow people are just another word for ghosts. And and I think it was a protective ghost, whether it was an angel or just a protective human that was, you know, had once walked the earth and, and saw what was going on and thought, okay, well, I'm a ghost, but I can stick around here and help this person out, you know, rather than just, you know, aimlessly wandering around. Um, and maybe that's what they thought to do and knew that, okay, once this mission is accomplished, I'm going to move on to somebody else and do good in their life, too. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's interesting, but I, I really, you know, we've talked about this in the past couple of episodes with the shadow people of there's, it just falls into ghosts in my book. There's not bad, I mean, there's there are bad shadow people, there's good shadow people, there's, you know, I think there's just as many probably good as there are bad. Yeah. It's just another term for an entity that we don't know what the hell it is. Yeah. And it's doing things that we can't explain. And obviously this one very protective. So, very, that was a very good story. This, I think, is one of the, I, I put that in the top ten. I really like that story. Actually, of the ones that we've had on the show of all time. Mm-hmm. That was a really good, good story. So, thank you for writing in. Thank you for updating us on Hal. And uh, if Hal ever does reappear, please uh, please let us know. We'd love to hear more. Uh, Caitlin writes in, hey Tony and Jenny, this is uh, Caitlin again from northern Louisiana. I called earlier to tell you the story of the strange noises and the voice telling me not to be afraid when I was home alone one night. I told you that I'd be getting back to you with other stories. The house that my husband and I live in is, as I told you, in the first story, my grandparents' old house. My grandfather passed away in 2013, and I believe he has been in my house ever since. However, I'm beginning to doubt that he is the only supernatural being in my house. When I'm home, it is hard to shake the feeling that I'm always being watched. It's not at all unusual for me to return home after work and things to be moved around, and usually the coffee pot is turned on. I always thought this was odd, but that's nothing compared to the feeling of being watched. The strange thing is that sometimes when I get the feeling I'm being watched, I do not feel uncomfortable at all, and others I just want to crawl out of my skin. My best friend is uh, the only other person that has experienced this feeling in my house. She was staying the night with my husband and me one night. I heard her get up and leave at like 2 or 3 in the morning, but didn't think too much about it at the time because she worked strange hours sometimes and had a long commute. The next morning, I called her to ask her why she was left in such a hurry, and she proceeded to tell me that she was never coming back to my house again. I asked her why, and she said she was awoken that night by the strangest feeling of being watched. She said she opened her eyes and saw a very thin and pale man sitting at the end of her bed just watching her. This was not my grandfather because he was a very large man and had very tanned skin. Before she could say or do anything, he disappeared into thin air. She has not been back to my house since. Never felt like I was in any kind of danger, but I do like to think that my grandfather is protecting me. 
I'll contact you all again at a later date with more stories. Thanks for all the incredible shows. How's my y'all there? That was good. Okay, good. Sounds more and more natural every time. I'm working at it. I wonder if the grandpa is protecting her from this other entity doing more things than just watching, kind of keeping him at bay. It's very interesting when you have the supernatural at work, uh, either, you know, together or against each other, and it's this whole other dynamic to a haunting. Yeah. It's not I, something you really think about that much, you know? I could see it. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, we've, we've heard of it in other cases, so I... I could totally see that being really what is going on. It'd be interesting to hear if any more things uh, happen in that case that that further prove that theory. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, Another letter here. This happened uh, two years ago when I was a senior in high school. My dad always came home from work before all of us shortly, followed by my brother and then me. Per usual, he came home and showered. While he was showering, he heard a knock on the door. My little brother asking, Will you make me a soup? I'm hungry. Thinking nothing of it, he agreed. Got out of the shower, made him a soup. He asked, and here's where it gets odd, though. As he called for my brother and continued to get no response, he went to his room thinking he was playing online with friends. But as he opened the door, his hair stood on end because he then realized that no one was home looked at the clock and it was only 2 p.m. My brother wouldn't be home for another 15 minutes. So what or exactly who had spoken to my dad? A ghost who wanted soup. That's who. (laughs) It's the Progresso ghost. I hate it when they get you when you're in the shower. That's like... Did they get you in the shower much? No, but I mean, that would be the worst possible time to have a ghostly mm-hmm. encounter is when you're that vulnerable. I, uh, when I'm in the shower, if, uh, I'll forget sometimes if I let our dog Lena in, uh, into the, the bathroom mm-hmm. area and she can't get into the shower because there's the, the glass door there, but I, I'm still, I'm still adjusting to having a pet again. We've had her since October. I know, but I, there's a lot of times where I'm in the shower, I'm, I'm not used to having any movement in there. I oh. mean, other than, you know, if you're running in there or something. And sometimes if she's in there, I, I just, I'm not thinking of it, you know. So, because a lot of times she's just out here in the in the, the rest of the house. Uh-huh. Um, but if she's in there with me or if she sneaks in or something, just out of the corner of my eye, I'll like just kind of see some wrestling like off in the corner. Like, what is that? It's oh. shadow dog. It's the shadow dog. So kind of, it's unsettling for a second. Like, oh, it's just the dog. And then she looks at me really strangely. And I'm like, where are your eyes? What are you looking at, Lena? Why are you staring there? Yeah. I get really uncomfortable. That's what she's looking at. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) I get nothing. Good times. Good times. There you go. That wraps up this episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. If you uh, want more Real Ghost Stories, we got a whole bunch of them for you. In fact, 22 bonus episodes ready to go right when you sign up to be an EPP at Real Ghost Stories Online. EPP, by the way, stands for Extra Podcast Person. You get the uh, new uh, Extra Podcast every single week. And of course, access to all those bonus episodes instantly sent to you. 22 hours of Real Ghost Story binge listening for your pleasure and some excellent stories. Uh, on those uh, on those podcasts, so check that out. Five bucks a month, it keeps our show alive, and you get a lot of uh, nice little thank yous there. So check that out. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.